1: Welcome to another edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blom, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me, as always, is the Tribune's Langston Newsome. How are you doing, Langston? Absolutely
0: fantastic.
1: Good. Since the last time we joined uh, everybody in podcast land, a lot has happened. Uh, let's just kind of break it down point by point, and we'll go from there. Uh, Saturday morning started off Missouri football, losing to Georgia 49-14. to If Georgia brought their A game, it was kind of expected. They did. Missouri really didn't stand a chance. Saturday night, Missouri men's basketball knocks off number 6 Illinois to win their third straight Bragg and game, 81-78. to 78. Missouri all basically led wire to wire. Um, and we can talk a lot more about the Bragg and game. And then yesterday, which is why we're coming to you on a Thursday this week, was National Signing Day. Of the, I think Missouri came into the day with 22 verbal um, commitments. They picked up one on signing day from Arden Walker from Colorado, but that was a 50-50 you kind of expected that or his home state of Colorado. Um, and then so and they picked that up. So 21 of the 23 they kind of expected they got yesterday, including every basically cornerstone piece of this class, Travion Ford, Ryan Horse Camp, Tyler Macon, Dominic Lovett, um, EJ Noma Agar, players like that, every single one that we thought, uh, Connor Tollison from Jackson, every single one of them we thought Missouri cannot miss out on that they've already secured, they got. The two players are waiting on are B.J. Harris from Tattanooga, Tennessee, and Shamar Pearl, uh, a transfer from, I believe, Garden City Community College, who once was a Missouri commit from Allen, Texas, uh, coming out of high school, but he went the JUCO route instead. And now we're two days away from Missouri's game at Mississippi State in Starkville on Saturday. That is a lot, and we'll break down to it, but... Which of those topics would you like to start with, Lex? And I'll open the floor to you.
0: Uh, let's start with the the, you know, the best news out of all that: the uh, and rights game with Missouri, really showing that it was a tough, experienced team. Something that we've been talking about for I feel like months now. And you know, going into that game, if someone would have told you know you or I that um, you know I AO Dosumu would be the best player on the floor, would look like a future NBA player, Kofi Coburn would clearly outpay jeremiah tillman and mark smith would would seem to be kind of just a little bit out of sync and missouri would still win we would have thought it was a miracle but that's exactly what happened on on saturday night and it just it it showed me that this is you know this isn't just hype within you know the columbia community this missouri team really is a force to be reckoned with in the sec
1: yeah, I, I agree with you there. I mean, just from my perspective, Ayo Desumu is the best individual player I've seen in my time on the Missouri men's basketball beat. Like Anthony Edwards last year was great, but not, they had nothing around him at Georgia. And maybe that's his problem is that, I mean, Illinois had a lot of other weapons. And I think, and I said this in a couple other appearances this week, and Illinois, Illinois fans haven't liked this, but it's kind of true, is I really think Missouri almost exposed Illinois in a way on Saturday. Basically, their strategy, and it looked appeared this way to me, will give you everything Io wants and everything Kofi wants. The DeMonte Williams, Trent Frazier's, you know, Curbellos of the world, can they beat us? And the answer was no. Mm-hmm. And, yes, I I mean, Io almost made up for him by himself. And that's an incredibly hard task to do. If you saw, I think, Ms., uh it was, it was Illinois' Big Ten opener against Minnesota. Minnesota tried that strategy and failed horribly, and Illinois made them look stupid. And Illinois is still a fantastic team. But that's also just a credit to Missouri and how, as you said, Mark Smith and Jeremiah were basically non-factors, and they still found a way to get it done. Javon Pickett stepped up. Kobe Brown stepped up. I mean, just when you think about Missouri winning a third straight bragg rights game and the potential of this team, it's it's pretty high. I know I picked them sixth in the SEC conference poll and, and, and or preseason poll, and people were like, uh, we don't know we don't know because you know they were picked 10th but i mean even i, I saw this on the spn seth greenberg said that he's missouri's his pick to win the icc right now and I, I i don't think that i genuinely think the best they can do is third as of right now i think tennessee is just too good when they figure things out kentucky is gonna figure things out eventually i feel i feel so missouri might be third right there but just too much else can still go wrong it just for one kind of period, and I do expect them, they play Friday against Prairie View A&M and then the following Tuesday against Bradley, there's a very good chance Missouri is entering conference play undefeated.
0: Definitely, and I agree with that. And, and kind of piggybacking off of that, um, yeah, third I think is it, it, now we're shifting to kind of to the other extreme. Um, I mean, excuse me when um, Seth Greenberg said that they could win the SEC I we think we're shifting to the other extreme 10th was too low 1st is too high somewhere in the middle there 3-4 is a good Place to bet if I was a betting man uh, for where Missouri would finish in the SEC, and and kind of like you said earlier, Lee, Tillman's not gonna have another game where he has three points and two rebounds, it, it, and it really was just a non-factor. You know, Mark Smith going one for four from deep, only having five points in that game, but they just showed me that they may not have the top-end talent of a you know Jalen Brown or an Ivan Rapp that Coach Conzo had in um, Cal at, at Cal excuse me there in the second half. They just have a response every single time, and Illinois kind of piggybacking off of what you said Illinois did kind of shift their offense there in the second half and really just kind of let Sumo do whatever he wanted and the refs I, I don't even want to get started on that I mean talk about a a good game inside of the rest because ticky-tack calls across everything really kind of slowed and, and and chopped this game up from having really any flow but yeah of Missouri I think it really has elevated themselves and, and you know they got rewarded by being ranked um on Monday and it it seems to, you know, you're going off the hype. But now, I know we'll talk about the Georgia game of MU football, but this Missouri basketball team really does seem to have some excitement going around it early in the season, and it sky's the limit, really. Yeah,
1: just full discretion. My apologies to those listening to this. Might have a tiny bit of audio issues through audition. Uh, this is almost take number two. We're already trying. Uh, while Lynx was talking, the computer had a time bit of internet problems. Hopefully, everything sounded good, but we're just going to go through with it, and I'll listen back to it later. Um, but. Linkson did say that Missouri men's basketball was ranked number 16. uh, And yeah, uh, that's, I feel pretty appropriate for them. I mean, I, I did some just looking up at different ballots on Monday and it was weird. 20 of the 62 voters had Missouri ranked right in front of Illinois, which is crazy to see that kind of dynamic, but still 13 voters left Missouri off their ballot. And while I can understand that logic I I guess I can't. I'm I'm trying to be nice because there are some reporters who I know who are in that 13, and they're good, smart people. Maybe they just made a mistake. I I, I don't know. It it, it was just like you you see someone like a Bob Holt from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, who's one of the best in this country, rank rank Missouri 10th in the country, and then you have – a former Auburn beat reporter and someone I've met a couple times, Sam Blum, same last name, no relation to me, who now works at the Dallas Morning News, and he leaves them off and he covers SMU, and I know both of them are incredible journalists. And you have that much divisiveness just in Missouri's ranking.
0: I didn't see that coming after the Illinois win. Two top twenty-five wins, one of them being top ten over Illinois. I don't understand how that doesn't get you ranked. A true, I, I, a true road
1: win and a blowout.
0: That, yeah, that, that's their schedule right now. Exactly.
1: I, I don't know, but anyway, uh, we'll be talking way, way more about Missouri men's basketball going forward. And it seems to have way more excitement. You mentioned Ivan Rabb, Jalen Brown. I mean, Missouri has had the Porters here, who are both now in the NBA. Jeremiah Tillman projects as an NBA player, and we'll see about the rest of this team. I mean, Xavier you Pinson, you think he would be an NBA player when it's all said and done as well? Um, what did you see, and how do you? think missouri kind of fared against really a measuring stick type of team against Georgia. i mean you get rid of the florida and the georgia game ever since connor basilak came in he looks really
0: good but you can't ignore the georgia and the florida games you know again coach Drinkwitz uh said it in this you know press conference after the game it's just can't really compete with them right now with you know having 58 or 59 scholarship players that they have there's just a, a massive difference in talent at the moment on both sides of the line of scrimmage and so that you know and that shows up when you give up more than 400 yards on the ground uh, to a Georgia team and really you know Bays under pressure throughout the entire game and really not able to establish the run on the Missouri side. There's a talent gap. Kind of change that defensive line. That's where you build and that's how you can kind of continue to move towards the, the Florida's of the world and the Georgia of the world. But as of right now, I mean the score kind of dictated where the talent is. Georgia's just flat out more talented. The big, the biggest discretion
1: there, and I think the biggest matchup I saw was George Pickens on N. S. Rakestraw. Rakestraw's had a great year, especially for a freshman. But there's a different kind of maturity that comes with playing in the SEC for so long, like George Pickens has. And not that Rakestraw played bad against him, just Pickens just used his experience and was able to outmaneuver and out, basically just just in, in the human game of chess and football, he was a, a, a you know a king compared to, still no pun intended, a rook. You know, so it, it, it's just. It was just interesting to see that kind of of dichotomy there. And we don't need to spend too much time talking about it. Missouri did not score in the second half. But we will see what happens going forward. I don't think that it's going to have any type of looming hangover going into a game they should win at Mississippi State on Saturday. I will be there. uh, First road trip since the Tennessee game. But just kind of going and looking at this
0: matchup, what do you see being your team? It's exactly that. Uh, the town gap is much bigger. Uh, Mississippi State has shown throughout the year that it's – the air raid is so hit and miss. And I know we've talked about it earlier this year. It takes teams, whether it's in, you know, the Pac-12, uh, whether it's in the SEC, it takes them a few games to kind of figure out this air raid. And you can see from the amount of opt-outs that Mississippi State has had again, uh, along the year. And, you know, it's not – it's not working with the players that Mike Leach currently has. He needs to recruit his own players. And if that scheme is ever going to work in the SEC, I don't believe it will. And so I'm really interested to see how Missouri will respond. You lost a game that, let's be honest, had less talent. Now come home, now go on the road in Sargville. You're competing to get into a quality bowl game. Take care of business. How do you kind of recover after a demonstrative loss?
1: Yeah, a win from Missouri, I think, all but locks them into a bowl game in Florida. We'll talk about that coming back. Our predictions for this game and league-wide predictions, uh, and we'll talk about National Signing Day. Also coming up out of the break, uh, earlier this week, I talked to Tyler Horka of the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, Mississippi. Mississippi State beat writer. Kind of break it down this matchup from the opponent's perspective. So here's my interview from earlier this week with Tyler.
2: A new sports podcast this time is the Mississippi State beat letter for the Clarion Ledger, Tyler Forka. How are you doing, Tyler?
3: I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate it. Of course.
2: Just kind of first off, uh, give us the broad spectrum of this year's Mississippi State team. I mean, I obviously coming down to the end of the season here, but what has this entire year been like?
3: Uh, it's pretty crazy to think that what uh, just two and a half months ago, Mississippi State was kind of, on top of the college football world for beating the defending national champion LSU Tigers uh, in Baton Rouge of all places, a place they hadn't won in decades. And now we're sitting here in mid-December and Mississippi State is two and seven. Uh, The only other win that the Bulldogs have this year and Mike Leach's first year as the head coach is against Vanderbilt. And we all know how good or bad Vanderbilt is. So, uh, ever since that day on September 26th down in Louisiana it's been a struggle for Mississippi State and they've played two pretty good ball games in their last three uh but they've lost all three of those games and you go to Georgia and Mississippi State loses by a touchdown and then Mississippi State loses the Egg Bowl by a touchdown so those were a couple instances of close but not quite there yet and then last week against Auburn Mississippi State lost 24 to 10 and the offense kind of regressed back to what you saw during that four-game losing streak earlier in the season. So uh, there's been ups, there's been downs, there's been far more of the latter. And uh, if anything, Mike Leach is really trying to finish this season strong with, uh, I would suppose it's a, it's a winnable game for the Bulldogs. I mean, they're only um, a couple-point underdogs at the most the last I saw. So just to kind of wash everything that I talked about there for a little bit, uh, out of their ballots, uh, Mississippi State would love to kind of close the regular season with a victory.
2: You mentioned him there. What is it like to cover Mike Leach? I know you were there for Joe Moorhead for a little bit, and I know he was pretty media-friendly. So just uh, what is it like to see the habits of Mike Leach up close?
3: I wouldn't say it's night and day, but it's it's pretty close between Joe Moorhead and Mike Leach. Uh, I mean, just this past weekend after the Auburn game, I asked him if he's – offense regressed a little bit in that game. And statistically speaking, absolutely, it did go from getting uh, you know, 440 yards against Ole Miss to 240 yards against Auburn. Statistics show that, you know, that's a bit of a step back. But I asked him the question, and then he kind of counters with, well, send me some of your articles, and let me make sure that you're not progressing from week to week or even from article to article. Let me know that he has a minor in English and that he'd be willing to um, – sarcastically helped me out a bit, I suppose, but that's just kind of the thing that you get with Mike Leach that you definitely didn't get with Joe Moorhead. Uh, obviously, Joe Moorhead, his offense struggles a lot at Mississippi State as well, and that's why he no longer has the job, but you'd ask him the hard questions, and uh, he would just kind of face them and maybe not give you a, a full answer of what he's really thinking uh, you know, deep down, but he would still answer the question and not go Mike Leach on you, if you will. So, Uh, That's just one example. Um, I'm sure just this week you saw his uh, about three-minute rant about what it's been like coaching during the COVID-19 pandemic, and uh, basically it was just him uh, kind of complaining in a way that it's been almost impossible to set a roster and to know who's going to be playing any given week, or even know which team you're going to be playing any given week, or if you're going to be playing at all any given week. So some of his frustrations were warranted, but you know in the scope of a pandemic, Uh, I mean, I I don't know how many people have complained in the way that Mike Leach did that day. So you get a lot of uh, really interesting stuff with Mike Leach, but, I mean, we've known that for a couple decades now, right?
2: Absolutely. And just, I remember just thinking when that they hired him, it was maybe almost a counter to hiring Lane Kiffin just to get a big name, but it it just should make those egg bowls fun in a non-pandemic year. I, I, I guarantee that. Uh, just absolutely. How do, you, how do you kind of see the, I guess, in-state rivalry going, I mean, the state of it with Lane Kiffin on one side and, you know, Mike Leach on the other? Well, how would you identify this dynamic as it currently stands between Mississippi State and Ole Miss?
3: Well, if you want to be a prisoner of the moment, and I suppose maybe I sort of was in an article that Lane Kiffin actually tweeted of mine in the days after the Egg Bowl, I said, let's face it, right now, as it stands, Ole Miss is ahead of Mississippi State as a football program. When you take into account both schools went out and hired one of the, you know, a really flashy offensive minded name in college football. And you look at what Ole Miss has done in being uh, right there with Alabama for the top offense in the SEC. And Mike Leach's offense is somewhere in the double digits, you know, out of 14 teams. I think it's maybe around 11 or 12, something like that, right now. So uh, even though Ole Miss is 4 and 4, uh, obviously Mississippi State is 2 and 7, and you'll take 4 and 4 every time. 4 and 4 is not a great record, but Ole Miss has kind of lost. They've won and lost in Lane Kiffin ways. You know, the offense has never really been the issue, and that's what you hired them for. Maybe they figure out that defense and they can threaten to win uh, double-digit games and, and threaten to upset some of the bigger teams in the SEC West. As it goes to Mississippi State right now, uh, they're not a threat to upset those teams at all, really, right now. And I know they upset LSU, and we talked about that, but we all know that LSU is is not the LSU that we saw uh, last year, obviously, and, and even in the years before that as well. So, Uh, Mike Leach's offense, he needs to get it figured out at Mississippi State right now, and uh, he hasn't yet, and maybe that's because he doesn't have the personnel. Maybe that's because the personnel is taking a little bit longer in in a weird year to learn his offensive system, but uh, all things considered, uh, Ole Miss is definitely a little bit ahead right now, and that, I mean, it's the Egg Bowl. That can fluctuate year to year. We've seen it change year to year, but, I mean, Ole Miss won the game this year. They have the better record this year, and uh, they have the better recruiting class, it's, you know, not that early signing period this week, and Ole Miss kind of flew by Mississippi State in the last uh, few weeks. I think they've gotten nine to ten commits in the last, you know, just this month alone. So, when you take all those things into account, uh, that's kind of how the Egg Bowl shakes up right now. Yeah,
2: Ole Miss didn't piss away the game this year. Uh,
3: so, some people want no. <laughs> Uh
2: Anyway. Uh, just, just, uh, it seems like, I mean, it was kind of the case, I guess, with him at Texas Tech, him at Washington State, and now definitely at Mississippi State, because the first year under Mike Leach just kind of seems like you throw the baby out with the bathwater a little bit, and it's like, okay, I'm just going to just, I don't care what happens in year one, I'm just going to change as much drastically as I need be to get things the way I want them to go. Is that, is that, is that accurate? And so, just with the mass transfers and Kylan Hill and all of that, is that, is that kind of accurate? from an outsider's perspective of what's going on in Starkville this year?
3: Yeah, I don't think there's much more to it from an insider's perspective than that. Uh, Mike Leach said point blank that uh, the people that don't want to be here are going to leave, and within two to three weeks after that, we saw, you know, double-digit amount of players uh, either opt out or, uh, like you said, enter the transfer portal. And, you know, you never really want to see – the uh, reigning SEC rushing champ be one of those guys, but if that's the way it had to be and Kyle Hill, you know, wasn't a fit for Mike Leach's system, then or not not that he wasn't a fit for the system, but just a culture fit maybe, and he had to go, then um, obviously Mike Leach said, so be it. And he's kind of said, so be it with the rest of those guys. Uh, I think he has the coaches in place that he likes. And uh, just this week, we learned that defensive coordinator Zach, Arnett, who is up for the Broyles Award as the top assistant uh, in college football, uh, you know, signed a contract extension, and that doesn't mean a huge program can't come knocking and say, you know, we'll pay him what we need to get him. But you know, that shows a little bit of security, and that uh, his top assistant wants to stick around at Mississippi State, and so does strength coach Tyson Brown. He was another guy that got an extension, so. Yeah, he's definitely trying to, uh, to build what he needs here at Mississippi State. And like you said, if he had to sacrifice a year um, and maybe not win as many games as fans would like to see in year one, uh, he's obviously done that. And if it means more wins down the line, I think fans would take that too.
2: Kind of instead of going big picture now, just looking at this weekend, what, what is Mississippi State currently doing that would allow it to possibly beat a Missouri on offense, it seems like? It's just been a roulette of quarterbacks. But on defense, I mean, just it seems like from every communication we have in Missouri, this is a type of offense and defense they really haven't seen yet this year.
3: Yeah, it will start defensively with Mississippi State. If they have any chance of pulling a slight upset on Saturday, it starts with that group. And I mentioned Zach Arnett. He's got these guys playing really well. A lot of the opt-outs and transfers and um, Mississippi State has been uh, no stranger to the coronavirus this year, and they've had a lot of guys have to uh, quarantine for contact tracing, and some guys have even had the virus. A lot of those guys have been on defense, and uh, I remember showing up at Georgia and looking down on the practice field for war- or on the field for warmups, and there was four cornerbacks, and I just said, man, that's not a whole lot of depth, and. They go out and almost win that ball game anyway, and the defense, besides a few big plays from J.T. Daniels, was a major reason they were in that game, so uh, it's definitely got to start with that unit, and Stein mean what Missouri tries to do, but then you look on offense, and Mississippi State's not going to win this game without making a few plays, and they didn't score a touchdown against Auburn until you know the four, they got into the fourth quarter, and by that point, they needed multiple touchdowns. Well, they only scored one all game, and that's not going to get it done. It's not going to get it done against a Missouri team that uh, has a pretty highly ranked defense and has done some pretty good things defensively this year. So both sides of the ball, it's, it's almost uh, kind of like a, a craft shoot in that you hope, if you're a Mississippi State fan, that the defense shows up and done what it's done for most of the year. But if it doesn't, well, there's a good chance that the offense is going to look the way it has for most of the year, too. And at that point, you can pretty much kiss, you know, your chances of winning a game goodbye. How would you kind of just encapsulate the city of Starkville as a whole? It seems like,
2: you know, just it's a little bit in the middle of nowhere, but it's its own college town. So just, you know, just looking from it, I mean, just how would you encapsulate how that kind of fits in with the
3: SEC? Yeah, it's a good college town. Uh, I've been here for two and a half years now. And, um, you know, before this pandemic started, I never, uh, you know, missed out on a good time or anything. So it has fun things to do. And um, I think the people of Starkville really embrace what Starkville is. You know, it's not trying to be in Athens or um, even like yeah, Tuscaloosa or in Auburn that's kind of, you know – Vamped up and and grown quite considerably in the last few years from what I've heard. You know, I've been kind of a stranger to the SEC. Uh, I grew up in Texas and went to the University of Texas, and until I took this job and came out here uh, two and a half years ago, I really wasn't familiar with the landscape. But when I got here, I was like, yeah, this kind of feels like the South. And if you've ever been to Mississippi and uh, you go to Starkville, you're like, yeah, you know, this is a a small-town feel. The people who live here Really enjoy living here and uh, everyone's a friend type of um, mentality. And that's kind of what Mississippi State Athletics has branded itself on of late is uh, you, you'll see players of all sports wearing a shirt that just has big letters spelling out family. And, you know, it, it feels like everyone uh, that lives here is welcome here and everyone enjoys it. And uh, that's kind of the vibe that you get. And like I said, I think that really goes along well with, uh, you know, with Southern vibe.
2: Interesting enough, uh, I'm from Maryland, but uh, did live in Texas prior to getting the Mizzou job uh, in Odessa, not near Austin. Uh, So, yeah, but definitely an interesting kind of uh, having an outsider's due to the SEC, because I I think Columbia is different enough from Starkville, but there some very similar characteristics in just coming here, kind of not with a blind eye, but, you know, with your reporting in other conferences before coming to the SEC. Uh, Definitely some different. Um, how do you kind of see Saturday playing out? Do you see, you know, Mississippi State, I guess pulling what would be a slight upset here and vaulting up where would be the bowl hierarchy or is Missouri going to win six games this year, do you think?
3: I definitely think there's a better chance of the latter. I do think it'll be close for most of the game, though. I really do. I think Mississippi State's defense is going to get a lot of stops early, but we've seen it time and time again with Mississippi State this year in that. They can keep Mississippi State in a one-score game for, you know, two, maybe even three quarters. And that happened against Auburn. I believe the score was 9 to 3 going into that fourth quarter, but then you look up and all of a sudden Mississippi State lost by a couple touchdowns. That's really just the defense getting fatigued, the offense going three and out far too many times, the offense not sustaining drives and scoring points. And those are all formulas to lose a football game and I think Eli Drinkwitz has Missouri playing Really good football, especially of late. And I think Missouri is a well-coached team. And uh, really, to, to lose to Mississippi State this season, you kind of have to beat yourself. And LSU beat itself by, uh, you know, staying in man coverage and, you know, daring Mississippi State to beat some of those, you know, highly ranked and recruited uh, defensive backs and, and defensive players. So, and then of course, like I said, you know, the only other win Mississippi State has this year is Vanderbilt. So Missouri, well coached, playing good football. I think the Tigers will win, but uh, it'll be close for a lot of the game. The Mississippi State fans at Davis Wade Stadium will, will have hope, but uh, I, I think, you know, going along with the theme of the season, that hope will ultimately get dashed. All right, that was Tyler Horka from the
2: Jackson Clarion Ledger. Where can everybody find you online and read the opponent's perspective this week?
3: Yeah, uh, we'll have articles up every day online leading up to the game on clarionledger.com, and then if you want an easier way to find those from social media, just go to my Twitter account at TBHorka, H-O-R-K-A, and, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy some of that stuff leading up to Saturday.
2: Sounds good. I'll, I'll be in attendance and. the... Uh... Definitely co- co- collaborating, not cooperating. I don't know why that's not a word. Collaborating with my fellow USA Today Network brethren from Starkville. Thank you so much, Tyler, for being on this week's podcast, and I will see you Saturday. Awesome. Stay travels down
3: here.
2: We would like to thank our sponsors for the Missouri Sports Podcast. University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue events. Let blue create your perfect event their passion for food service and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event no matter the size they will work with you to bring your vision to life phyllis nichols state farm insurance there when things go wrong here to help life go right and now back to our podcast
1: And thank you once again to Tyler Horek for joining us on this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast. Always nice to connect with my USA Today Network brethren. Uh, Before we get any further, the Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, Zalins, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And the Columbia location of Zaxby's Langston is...
0: 104 Cinnamon Hill Lane.
1: That's correct. At the 163 exit where Stadium Drive is right. We are back talking about... Uh, actual football. Actually, without further ado, uh, played "Mississippi Queen" by I'm sure you, rock band Mountain. But there's literally their famous song is "Mississippi Queen." I was pretty sure you wouldn't have known that. I only looked it up. Uh, the most famous song with the word Mississippi in it. Anyway, uh, moving <laughs> mo- mo- moving moving back on to the podcast. Now uh, we were talking about uh, Mississippi State and Missouri coming out of the break. How do you think this game
0: shakes out Langston and what do you think you know could be the difference in this one bounce back game for Larry Roundtree and Connor Bazelak I've got Missouri minus two in this game expecting them to win by uh, at least double digit points so I'm not sure about the double digit point thing Langston I
1: mean I I think this is going to be a scrappy and just just a a game that I'm not surprised this comes down in the fourth quarter Missouri I do think they're going to win and cover because there's only a two-point spread. I see this being a touchdown game, Very, unfortunately being very similar to how this team looked against South Carolina. I don't think the Air Raid's going to look all that great um, against the Missouri defense is ready for it, but I don't think Missouri also has the personnel right now to absolutely put their foot on the gas and just absolutely run this Mississippi State team off the field at the moment. Um, I'm thinking maybe 27-20, something very right in there. Missouri gets the win, and almost basically locks up their bowl spot being somewhere in the state of Florida um, but beyond that I mean I I, I don't expect to blow it either way here I expect this to be kind of close I just but there's just too much going on Mississippi State to trust that they can win this game to be honest right now I, and I think the Missouri has enough personnel that is here as you said the final possible collegiate game because who, knew, who knows who's gonna go on with the bowl game of a Larry Roundtree of a Nick Bolton of a Tyreek Gillespie, if he's healthy, you know, just players like that who we'll see. And I, and I think that in a final guarantee game like this, they're going to show out more than others. Um, and I think Missouri's young cornerbacks. This is a game where they can they they can thrive. At the end of the day, the air raid is going to you know be an interesting thing to watch. But I think that against the past, Missouri has done pretty well against receivers that aren't up for the Belichick this year. And and Mississippi State does not have
0: anyone of that quality. Exactly. So yeah, I mean it i was really surprised when i saw the line was only minus two for missouri and i i thought at least a field goal but i mean if i was a betting man or woman, i'd listen to you because in our picks pool you are by far and away <laughs> number one and i am now last so first to worst from the last time that we updated you on the uh, the tribune's picks pool i don't think i'm far and
1: away i think that uh you're only about like four or five games behind me. It's it's way closer than it has been in previous years. I'm six games behind. Six uh. games behind me. <laughs> I, yeah, I had a very clutch week last week. at seven and three coming out of uh, the penultimate week. We got the uh, this week coming out. Um, so, yeah, why don't we go before we get into signing day and going forward, why don't we give the picks for this week? You have the picks loaded in front of you. You announce the game. Give your rationale. We already did Missouri, Mississippi State. Uh, give us the next one, Langston.
0: We've got uh, Texas A&M favored by 14 at Tennessee. Tennessee is falling apart. Don't let the win over Vanderbilt fool you. I'm taking uh, Texas A&M minus 14 in that game. Alabama favored by 17.5 against Florida in the SEC championship de- game. I took Florida plus 17.5. I do think Alabama will win and probably win handily, but you know, two touchdowns on the field goal there, just a little too much. I'm, I'm taking Alabama by 14. 14 in that game, so Florida will cover. Excuse me, I'm taking Alabama by 14 in that game, so Florida will cover. Then we've got Mississippi at LSU. LSU coming, out, uh, coming off of that huge win against Florida last week. I took Mississippi one and a half in that game. I think there's a little bit of hangover after that win. Old Miss gets the job done. We've got Northwestern against Ohio State. A little bit of controversy in, you know, the Big Ten picking Ohio State to represent them in this game. Don't think there will be any controversy in that game. I think Ohio State wins handedly, just not by three touchdowns. I've got Northwestern 19 and a half in that game. Then we've got Oklahoma favored by four and a half against oh, Iowa State. I've got Oklahoma taking care of business in that game. Coastal Carolina almost absolutely destroying their season winning walk-off fashion last week. They are favored by three and a half over Louisiana. I've got Coastal Carolina and the Mullets (laughs) taking care of business. Now the game that I think everyone in the nation is really waiting for is Clemson with a healthy Trevor Lawrence against this Notre Dame team that you know first year technically in the ACC could potentially win the conference here. I've got Clemson ten and half i think trevor lawrence by himself is worth two touchdowns in the in this game he is by far and away the best quarterback prospect i've seen since andrew luck and i think he's better than andrew luck um and i think he takes care of business in a statement win for clemson you got cincinnati favored by 13 and a half against tulsa i've got Cincinnati taking taking care of business there, winning by two touchdowns in that game. And you've got Air Force at Navy. I've got Air Force taking care of business, favored by two and a half in that one.
1: So, in that scenario, who would be your four for the college college football playoff? It would be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and blank. And blank.
0: That is a great
1: question. I don't. Does A and M come in there? I mean, you would have Iowa State losing there, so I mean, does Notre Dame a one loss Notre Dame or? And I'm getting to that point. That those are the only teams. I mean, at the end of the day, the committee made very, very clear that Cincinnati's not getting in, even if they destroy Tulsa
0: this week. Exactly. I think it would be interesting if a one-loss Notre Dame team did get in. Obviously, you have to position it so they don't play Clemson again in the first round um, of the playoff. games deserving regardless of a win or a loss, as long as they come out and they don't lose by you know 30 points in a you know Notre Dame versus Alabama in the um, 2014 um, uh, BCS bowl. No, that was in 2014. wasn't what year is that? Which game are you talking about? Uh, when Alabama, the Brett Musburger game, when he was talking about Catherine Reb instead of the actual game, because it was so boring, because Alabama absolutely steamrolled Notre Dame in that game. Was, oh, that, said, was, that was that manti Tea, that was 2013. Yes, 2013, yeah. yep, one year off. So as long as they don't come out and lay an egg like that, I think they are deserving of being in the playoff. Yeah, let me go through mine real quick
1: right now. Missouri fared by two, taking them. A&M in Knoxville. Think this has got to be a game where a m absolutely shows up puts pressure on the committee taking them by more than two touchdowns uh, i do think actually alabama does cover in this game not only do they beat uh, uh florida by more than win- they win by i think at least three touchdowns um, I'm, i am taking old miss here to beat uh lsu outright they have had a roller coaster of a season they got the extremely high high for lsu with beating florida and a great signing class time to bring them back down to earth with a loss to old miss uh, Ohio State. Um, this actually is a tougher matchup than I think a lot of people are giving it credit for. If the spread was around two touchdowns, I would think about taking, um, you know, Ohio State, no doubt. But now that it's up near 20, team. I mean, at the end of the day, that uh, poss- a very possible bowl opponent from Missouri and Northwestern. Uh, but I just got to go with Ohio State. They have a lot to prove. Uh, and I still think that no matter what, if Ohio State loses this game, they're out. No, you, 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 if Ohio State loses this game and the committee still puts them in, God help us all. There, there there's, there's, there's just, there's, there'd be just no way, right? If Ohio State loses this game to Northwestern, the committee can't put them in. No, the, no, no, not. no, no, way. Yeah, I, I had a bet with uh, my dad about that, but um, there's just, there's just no way. But uh, at the end of the day, I think Ohio State's winning here by at least three touchdowns. It should not matter. Uh, Iowa State against Oklahoma. I'm going to take Iowa State here. They look good. They already to beat Oklahoma this season. I just don't think Oklahoma's. might be the most overrated team in the country. I am going to take Coastal Carolina here. Uh, Rare hiccup last week. Billy Napier coming back. I I see this being a close game, but Coastal Carolina hanging on again. Uh, um, Clemson-Notre Dame is going to be interesting. I will take Clemson, though, but Notre Dame gets in as a one-loss team. I think over an A&M, just more, you know, if if they can spread the love out a little bit, you would think they would try and do it as an A&M who hasn't been in the playoff ever, but I think that Notre Dame, just by the eye test, is a mud. Cincinnati going to win the American, then going to go to the Peach Bowl and probably beat Georgia, uh, but they'll win this game pretty easily. Air Force Army is the, you know, random game of the week. I'm going to take Army after how they look. That defense stopping Air Force should happen. Uh, now going into actually going into signing day, uh, was there a moment yesterday, Langston, while you were kind of watching everything
0: go down that stood out to you most that matters the most to Missouri? Just keeping the kids in state i think and you know drinkwood's talked about that you know he's got a quote and your story that came out today talking about you know if you keep the top kids within you know missouri if you keep them you know with the tigers you know that's a top 25 recruiting class potentially and I, that is a good sign for drinkwoods moving forward we already talked about how there is a gap in talent between missouri florida and the georgias of the world and this is how you kind of you bridge that gap you get the top kids and in your state and you get them to commit and then they get the other kids in their state to want to be a part of this and you know that's how you kind of get the ball rolling and over his the course of drinkwood's time here at Missouri I would love to see that continue so that was the biggest thing takeaway from me St. Louis kids eat St. Louis kids they chose to stay going to Missouri I really do think when we look back at this class this will be the class that
1: gets Missouri back to that 07 and then 13 14 level it starts the race of the game or this is going to be the class that looks like the biggest Emptied potential that we hadn't seen here. If, if this class doesn't work out and start something big within the St. Louis area and locking down the borders, especially with the messaging of Eli Drinkwitz, which has been very, very blunt and out there, is there a recipe to do it? I'm, I'm not sure. This has been as aggressive a, of a push as we've seen since he took the job over a year ago, as we've seen in that way. I mean, Barry is a little more coy about recruiting efforts, and I and I know he built great relationships with players, and he's gotten big recruits from this from the St. Louis area before his problem has just been he gets in early and makes relationships with the kids but then they flip when a blue blood comes calling a la antonio doyle uh committed literally in the office of barry odom in august 2019 a came calling and he went to a&m uh, th- that's happened three or four times under his tenure drink got to keep the travian Fords. He, he got dominic lovett to flip from arizona state to missouri and while the top shelf sec talent you would expect to see auburn sign and they signed i think five defensive backs and they have one in the 22, 22 class is going to be insane and isaac thompson should they keep him so i think yesterday if you're looking back on it as a tiger fan should be a great day for you at the end of the day you know it, it just shows a lot of promise while i don't think you're going to see the immediate results i don't think that this 2021 class is going to come in as true freshman and set the world on fire 2022, 2023, maybe the tide will
0: turn and you can see Missouri kind of pushing them going. I I think that that's perfectly within the realm of possibility. And I'm happy you brought it up. You know, that flip from Dominic Lovett from Arizona State to Missouri, does that happen if, you know, Traven Ford doesn't stay committed to Missouri or if Missouri doesn't go on this three-game winning streak and just show that, you know, Drinkwitz is confident and can get the ball rolling here with Barry's recruits? I don't think that happens unless you have those several dominoes kind of falling into place. You need. That's the thing. You need several dominoes.
1: I don't think one. Of, you take one of those individual things away. I think it still stays the same. At the end of the day, um, Arizona State's win loss record isn't that great. Missouri's isn't that great either. But you know, I, I I think it's kind of in the college recruiting game. Sometimes it's not what you know. It's who you know. And I think a big, the biggest deal for this class going forward, were I think the two signees of Tyler Macon and Makai Wingo from Desmet and East Saint Louis, in terms of them being recruiters themselves and surrounding themselves with the guys they want to play with might be a bigger deal it's it's already being made a big deal because of last night but is maybe even a bigger deal than anyone's actually overstating when you when you have a guy like Mikhail Wingo and I've interviewed both him and Tyler at, at previous occasions but I've done a, he's just a captivating he's I mean if I mean if he was Eli which is illegitimate. I'm kind of bad, but it's true. Just You see the things that Eli Drinkwits is projecting and how quickly that resonated with McKay, and how McKay was able to drink with his way of doing things. You see how, as a head coach, he preaches to a Connor Bazelak and it resonates with him or a Larry Rountree. It's much more rare when you see that happen to a kid who's still being coached by other people. And At the end of the day, Makai Wingo, it's not lost on me that his head coach is Robert Steeples, who is a Missouri alum. Um, himself, and it's not lost on me that someone like Travian Ford, with a head coach like Carl Reed, who's been in the game at Lutheran North for longer than you and I have been alive, Langston, he was able to keep that with building just the great relationships in the St. Louis area. It's not shocking to me that, and 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 I'll, and I'll resonate like this, and I think it was a interesting point my friend Justin Lee made after the firing of Gus Malzahn that I think absolutely works with Drinkwitz as well. The weirdest high school coach. And that, to me, that's, that that was seen as just a bad thing because Malzahn has been a mentor for Eli Drinkwitz throughout the years. They both were at Springdale, Arkansas, the high school in Springdale, Arkansas. They worked together at Auburn and at Arkansas State and have been connected through the years. And I think I take that as a positive, that you can create those relationships with people. At the end of the day, we saw, Drinkwitz tell the story of how a player he coached in, I guess, t- 2009 came and took an official visit to Missouri. He didn't end up coming here. But he got to meet one-on-one with Gary Pinkle and create that relationship. And Pinkle remembered him all these years later. I think Drinkwitz is very much doing the same thing in that vein. As some college coaches, I'll give an example of Jim Harbaugh, see it as a good faith thing to go down from the pros uh, down to Michigan. It's a step up. This this is professional high school ball, in a sense, at the college level, to Eli Drinkwitz or Gus Malzahn of... This is about the players and building relationships and doing right by them instead of went just strictly sponsorship deals and getting a bigger paycheck and living a more lavish lifestyle. Electric Woods cares about the players and the program aspect of it more than your average. I'll give another example as Herm Edwards at Arizona State, I think, Mike. So I'm not saying that they're not good people. I'm just saying that he's cut from a cloth of a Gus Malzahn more so than a big-time celebrity coach, Bill Parcells type deal, he's very much that, you know, bread and butter, you know, cut from cut from that same, you know, I, I guess you know just you know brick and mortar cloth than a huge mansion, if that if that makes sense. And I think that um, seeing the inroads he's making, combined with that, makes sense. And that was kind of a long-winded way of saying, Drink was as good at what he does. Anyway. Uh, anything else you want to say or do before we uh, end this episode here, Langston? We kind of went a little bit
0: over, I guess, this week like we always do. Uh, Every episode a long episode. Right. There we go. Um, I would just like to say uh, to all our listeners, I hope you are enjoying the start of the holiday season. Please make sure to wear a mask socially distance, and, you know, uh, you know, take care of yourself and take care of your family, whether you're choosing to see them in person or virtually during this holiday season. Yeah, we didn't even touch on MU women's basketball. returning to action, losing to Missouri State, but then beating New Orleans, and they
1: have two games this weekend. We'll break all that down. I think next week's Christmas-themed episode, whatever, what do you, whatever you want to call it, we'll be looking at more basketball head-to-head as we, announce, we, see, we know how Missouri season football is finished in their bowl game because the week after that will be heavily focused on the bowl game. So I think next week will be a big basketball episode for, uh, for us here. But for Langston Newsome, I've been Eric Blum. Thank you for listening to this week's Missouri Sports Podcast, and we'll see you next time.